This upcoming presentation may mention things of a sensitive nature. We do not recommend that children view this video without an adult. Welcome to another episode of The Critical Thought. In the upcoming presentation, we will be talking to Linda, and she'll be sharing her personal experience dealing with pedophilia in the Jehovah's Witness religion. Thank you for being in our audience. You're listening to The Critical Thought, where we challenge our listeners to use critical thinking when examining the teachings of Jehovah's Witnesses. Hi, this is Lady C. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Critical Thought. And we have on our platform, once again, Linda. This time, she's in the flesh. And we're going to have a part two conversation. So, Linda, thank you so much for being on the program. Well, thank you, Lady C, for inviting me back. I'm honored. So we got a chance to talk about some very sensitive issues with your family. And they have had, you know, programs on TV talking about it. And you wanted to share your experience about what you know about uh, the Watchtower and how they handled the pedophile cases. And so uh I'd like to hear more about that and share with the audience what you know firsthand. This would go back to my life in Michigan. And at that time, there were two pedophiles in our congregation. As I said last time, I'm 70, so we're back in the 50s. We just, I didn't know about these pedophiles until many years later. We had neighbors that had a little girl my brother's age. It wasn't until my brother and she were in their teens that I learned that her father had molested her and was trying to molest her. And so her mother decided that if she dressed her dowdy, didn't allow her to wear makeup, he wouldn't bother her. I didn't find out about it until a day that I invited her to come to my husband's and my apartment so we could take her to dinner. I offered to let her use some makeup because I thought by the time you're her age, 15, 16 years old, she should maybe have a little lipstick or eyeshadow. And she got very upset and said, no, my mom won't let me. And that's when she poured her story out about her dad trying to get into her bedroom and molest her. I was appalled, but at that time, being young and innocent and naive, you're thinking, well, this is being cared for by the, by the brothers in the hall, which obviously it wasn't. It wasn't until years after that that I had a child of my own, two children of my own, and we had moved out to the state of Washington. My brother used to call me pretty regularly and we'd talk. And this one night, I knew something wasn't right. He wasn't himself. And he didn't seem to want to end the conversation. And after a while I said, you know, I've got kids to get up in the morning and get off to school and a husband to get off to work. I need, we need to end this. I need to get to bed. And he just kept up. Finally, he said, there's something I've got to tell you. And I said, okay. 
it took him a while. In fact, at one point he dropped the phone and I could hear him pacing back and forth in his study, crying, sobbing. And here I am in Washington. He's in Wisconsin. I'm yelling over the phone, Steve, what is wrong? Please pick up the phone. Talk to me. And that's when he told me that our uncle, who was a pillar of the congregation, had molested him when he was 12. He used to come by the house and want to take my brother to the state fair or do some wonderful thing. And because we weren't financially well off, my mother thought, what a lovely, wonderful thing to do. And so she'd have my brother go with him. My brother said, I used to beg my mom not to make me go, but I couldn't bring myself to tell her why. And my mom would insist. And he went, you know, went off. The story just, his story and his account of what happened and how long apparently Uncle, Uncle, Hare or Uncle Lee just groomed him. Steve didn't know how to get out of it. He didn't know how to stop it. And he said, and I'm ashamed to say that some of it felt good. And I said, well, of course it would. That is, you were 12. You tried to convince my mom not to make you go. You didn't know how to get out of it. You were a child. This isn't, you can't beat yourself up over this. Was your uncle married? No. No, he'd been divorced for some time. And I remember my dad telling me a story. He was still a very young man. The congregation was very young. The police called him one night and said, we have someone up here that says he's related to you. His name is Lee. Um, he's at the precinct. We need to have somebody come and pick him up. And it was for, I'm not sure what they called it, lewd, lewd conduct possibly. He had set up a meeting with a young man and he got caught because it was for the purpose of molesting him. He told my dad that it was all a mistake. That and he gave him some ridiculous story as to this was all a misunderstanding and a mistake. He wasn't meeting him for any, you know, illegitimate or improper purposes. And my dad believed it. And like he said, all those years in the back of your mind, you know something's wrong. You know it, but you don't want to accept it or believe it. True. So, so what's his? So, in other words, he's married. He's divorced. Do they? Do they have any children? Yes, two. Okay. And I never, I never met his divorced wife. I never even knew he had kids until years later. And so then you start thinking, huh? There's a lot of fishiness going on here. Um. The sad part of it is, my brother. He wanted my mom and dad to know but he couldn't bring himself to tell them. So he asked me to. And I remember their reaction. My mother was shocked, so distraught. And all my, my dad could, my dad blamed my brother. And I remember being so upset and hurt over that and angry and telling him, dad, this is, Steve needs love right now and compassion, and he needs you to accept that this was 
had nothing to do with him. It was with this perverted pedophile who, how, how, how do we know how many others he has molested? I suspected two others in our congregation that he groomed that were from poor families and that by his offering these things that possibly the family allowed that too. How old was your brother when he opened up to you about this? We were either in our late 20s or early 30s. So look how many years it took him to finally tell me. He was having some issues that he didn't know how to resolve, that he knew went back to that time. And so he went to the elders to tell them, I need some help. And they they counseled him. And I think he was put on a probationary period for six months or so. He apparently was visiting places where you would go in and, and watch naked women and whatever else was going on there. And he knew it was wrong. He had to stop. And I don't know if it was he was trying to prove to himself he wasn't he wasn't gay or he was, I, I don't know what the incentive was. I just know that when a child's been injured like that, traumatized, taken advantage of, you don't know in what ways they're going to act out or what areas they're going to have issues or problems in. He needed professional help. He did. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you're saying this because I've spoken to people who have been molested before. And this one girl told me that when she was, you know, had been molested, she was very promiscuous because she said she kept doing the act because she kept looking for love. Yes. So it was just different things that people go through. And that's why every time I hear about people that are having issues like that, That's the first thing that comes to my mind. And so when, you know, for anyone who's listening to this podcast, that's why it's good that we're having these discussions. Yes. Never know if someone is having an issue like this. Like you said that your brother used to tell your mother and beg your mother, don't make me go. So if you're a parent and you have a child, and you're trying to push this child out the door to go to to go someplace with someone and they don't want to go. Hey, yes. your antennas need to go up. Yes. And uh, if you have if you have somebody in your family that's promiscuous, why? You know, what's going on? Yes. You know, the things that you have to really and truly examine. And watch. Watch for signs and signals in your child's body language. Or what they're saying or not saying to you as they're going off with someone. There are clues. You may not want to see them because you trust the person. They may be a relative or what you consider a close or dear friend. But if there's reluctance on the part of your child, there's a reason. And you've got to be aware. And you've got to be willing, as hard as it is, because this was my mother's uncle. You've got to be thinking, why would they be begging me not to go? Why would they be reluctant? Why would they be, oh, no, I have something else to do, or I want to go somewhere else. There's got to, you've got to 
be willing to explore that. Because yeah, and like you said, and, and also like you said, sometimes, you know, these, these, these uh, predators, they will go to, to families that, you know, maybe not have a lot materially. Exactly. Offering this. Yes. And they use these types of um, vulnerabilities to, yes. you know, to take advantage of people. Yes. You know? Taking them places the family can't afford to, buying them things the family can't afford to buy them. That's how my uncle Lee operated. And so it he makes you think about what happened to him and his wife. So you, so, you know, maybe, you know, you never know. He could have um, tried that with his children. He could have, she could have caught him in some other area. Do you know yep. whether or not she was a Jehovah's Witness? I don't. I kind of think possibly not. Um, but then I don't know. Um, those were things I, I didn't know about, didn't question until many years later. Okay. Well, you know, it was interesting how you said that your brother goes to the congregation, to the brothers in the congregation to seek assistance. And instead of them looking at, you know, his actions as a means of acting out or what people in the medical community know what happens to people and what they do after they've been molested or abused. Yeah. Uh, they don't have that kind of a background. No. So, oh, heck yeah. no. So when they're actually coming to them for assistance, which they really shouldn't be going to the elders for any type of assistance like that. Nope. Here he ends up on some kind of a private or public reproof, you're saying? Yep. Private reproof. <clears throat> Lost certain privileges. And at the time he was married and had children. He and his wife, they had a good relationship. They did. A long and loving one. Um, he needed, he needed help to sort through the confusion in his own mind and heart as to how did that end up happening? Why did I let it happen? Why didn't I tell my parents? Or, you know, he was in a, in a place where he needed professional care. And he never got it. In fact, there were several times through the years, I, I, even, I even sent him the link to silent lambs and told him, please contact these people. I actually at one point contacted them for him. And they said, he's got to contact us. We can give him resources and, you know, different things like that. But he wouldn't do it because he was so convinced that as witnesses, all we need to do is rely on Jehovah, read our Bible more, pray, make all the meetings, get in service. Um, that's what, that's what heals you. That's what makes everything better. I'm sorry. It doesn't. Um, people need help. The following five tips will help you to keep your children safe from predators. Number one, recognize that the predator will most likely be someone you know. Chances are it won't be a stranger offering your child candy on the playground. According to the organization Child Help, more than 90% of the time, the child knows the predator in some way. The predator could be a family member, a teacher, a coach, or a trusted friend. 
Number two, be suspicious of adults who try to spend time alone with your child. Beware of any adult that is giving your child special attention, showering them with gifts, wanting to take them on special outings, or speak of having a special relationship with them. Number three, avoid situations where your child could be molested. Be careful about allowing your child to participate in sleepovers. Number four, always trust your instincts. If someone makes you uncomfortable, that's reason enough to keep your child away from that person. And tip number five, teach your child that secrets are never okay. Most perpetrators will tell the child to keep the abuse a secret. They may threaten the child by saying, if you tell anyone, I will tell them it was your idea and you will get in big trouble. Tell your kids that no matter what anyone tells them, they will not get in trouble. And there again, when my grandfather committed suicide, it was after begging for help, saying, I need help with my addiction, and told, all you have to do are these things. These are the steps you take, and you can get better. And he couldn't. He needed, he needed AA. And I've known since then a, a very dear friend of mine who was disfellowshipped for alcoholism. And she was told at the meeting where she was disfellowshipped, do not contact groups like AA. Just pray a lot. And I'm angry at that because these people, because I've known other ones who were witnesses that said, I would have never gotten over my addiction without the support of AA and a sponsor. So I know from personal experience, the ones who never got help and the ones who did, and the difference of how much it meant in their lives. Right. And you know what? That's the thing. That's why information, you know, it helps people. And I, what I really enjoy about this platform that we have, um, XJW Critical Thinker, is that we receive a lot of emails from people. And the feedback is just phenomenal. When you read emails from people saying, thanks for doing that episode, because, you know, this was something that resonated with me. This was something I experienced. This is something I can relate to. And so when we put this content out for people, you know, it really helps them to see you are not alone. You're not yes. alone. Yes, absolutely. When we moved to the island, it was several years before I found out that we had a, there was a brother in the congregation by the time it all came out, he had been molesting children for over 20 years. He was a janitor within the school system. So look at, look at what he had available to him. How many children in the congregation? I don't have a clue. However, I know that he molested 
every one of his children except the last one. And that's because his own sons threatened his life if he touched her. He molested a granddaughter and that's when his daughter-in-law turned him into the authorities. He had molested another sister's child in our congregation and the elders told her she couldn't go to the police that they would handle it, they would deal with it. And I know how bitter she was. There was a bitterness and an anger because it wasn't handled correctly. As a congregation, we should have been told. He went to a friend of his and told her how much he loved her and her children and that he was going to go to prison for a while. I don't even know if she knew why, because there was never an announcement. He was given a 10-year sentence. He only served five. He was disfellowshipped. None of us knew why. When he came back, he was reinstated. At a certain point, after a few years, he got that record expunged. How he did that, I will not, I don't know, but probably because he'd suffered a terrible motorcycle accident and his pelvis was crushed. So he used the excuse that he didn't have any working parts anymore. And I was furious because it's like, he's got his hands and his tongue and anything else. Don't tell me that's what he has to have to molest a child. That's not true. And I was, I was so disgusted that as a congregation, this man is in our midst. No one knows that he is a predator because it's kept private and secret. And it wasn't too many years after that, another one moved into our congregation, out of the congregation he came from, because nobody would know what he was, and that he had been removed as an elder because of it. Once it was found out by certain individuals in our hall, when he would, when a child would get up, a, a little boy would get up to go to the bathroom, several of the brothers would watch this gentleman. And when he would get up to head to the bathroom too, they'd follow him to make sure that nothing happened. But still, there was no announcement. So none of us knew. When my son found out and another brother found out, they started warning people. Do you know that the elders went to these two brothers trying to find out who was warning people because they wanted to disfellowship them? for warning people about this man. That is the issue that so many Jehovah's Witnesses have is that they protect these predators and these abusers, these pedophiles, more yes. so than they would protect the, the victim. Warn them. Yeah. Yes. The victims are re-victimized. They have to stay in the same hall with the perpetrator, with the, with the person that has molested them. They're not believed. It's, it's just, it's unforgivable. It, it's, and why no one is passionate enough to say, no, this has to stop. Right. Not following, we're told to follow the scripture, Matthew 11, to go to your brother and lay bare his fault. And if they don't listen, you bring in another. If they don't listen to that, you bring in the, the elders of the congregation. And then 
It's supposed to go to the congregation. It is not to be kept secret among a tiny little group of elders who decide what should or shouldn't be done. The congregation should know and decide what their fate is of, yes, it's time to remove this person. And it's time for us to know that we need to protect our children from him or her. That's true. Because you know what I understand from like the research I've done, the people I've spoken to, is that once a pedophile, always a pedophile. It's like a person that has a sickness that you can't get rid of. Exactly. It's always there. Yes. Yes. So like a person says, okay, so you, you, you disfellowship a person for six months. You take them out of commission in terms of talking to other people. So you're saying to me, oh, six months, 12 months, 18 months, now is going to reform this person? That's not yeah. how it works. Well, or think of them, oh, they've gone to prison for it. They must be all better. <laughs> Just, and people don't seem to want to do their their research. They want to just listen to anything the society tells them, not question it. I don't need to know the true implications of what it means to be a pedophile or a victim of one. The society will give me all the information I need. That's not enough. We, we can't sit back on that kind of lack of understanding and knowledge. And we have to get to where we protest. To help other people, what other things would you say for them to watch out for when it comes to predators like pedophiles? Watch your child, watch his body language, watch his or her body language, listen to them, be aware that these things can be occurring and they're too afraid to tell you. But they may be telling you in other ways, in how they respond or react around that person, what they say. And just like in my brother's case, begging my mother don't make me go with him isn't there something else you want me to do here today can't i do something for you you've got to be aware that this is an issue and it is a huge issue among jehovah's witnesses don't think that we are without these particular problems they are rampant and a lot of the friends don't want to believe that they want to believe as i did for my whole life that we were perfect. We didn't have problems. We didn't have these issues. We do. And we have a lot of other issues that are unaddressed many times. That's so true. So anyway, Linda, well, I want to thank you so much for being on the program and, and talking about this very sensitive issue because it's something that you cannot talk about too much. And no. you better know how many people you can help. So thank you so much for sharing your experience on the program. Thank you for allowing me to, Lady C. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much for tuning in to this presentation. Please refer to the description of the video to find more resources about this topic. Be sure to subscribe to our channel, XJW Critical Thinker, and give us a thumbs up if you enjoyed this presentation. This program was sponsored by Critical Thinkers.